women in cybersecurity, 24% of the workforce today. So we've seen improvement there. But from a leadership perspective, actually less than 11% of security leaders are women. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's Ashley Rose, CEO of Living Security. She is a well-respected leader in the cybersecurity community and has grown her company to 70 employees, having just recently closed on a $14 million Series B round to continue expansion of her vision. She's overhauling security awareness training and evolving it into human risk management. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. All right, so you are poised, you are polished, and your successes are well-deserved, and you have achieved all of this success thus far rather against the grain of what I would consider to be sort of the normal cybersecurity model in that this is your first cybersecurity company and you are a woman CEO in a field where very few women are at the helm. And if I'm allowed to say so, uh, you're young as well, or at least you're not old like me. (laughs) So (laughs) I think, Ashley, you're an inspiration to a lot of new entrepreneurs. There are women seeking leadership roles in cybersecurity. There are folks who maybe have the drive to create something, but are maybe hesitant to do so, maybe a little scared. Maybe folks that haven't hit middle age that are wondering, is is the industry going to respect me as a leader? So I thought that anybody listening to my show who fits in any of those categories might just learn something from your story. And so I thought I'd have you come on and just kind of share your whole story. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm excited. So before we begin, I got to give the audience a disclaimer. I am on Living Security's advisory board. Ashley is the CEO of Living Security. I am on her advisory board, so I do have a bit of stake in the company. That is not the motivation and the drive here. The drive is that Ashley is just a really cool person. Her company has taken off and doing really well, and I thought it'd be a really cool story to share with y'all. So Ashley, why don't you tell us briefly a bit about your day job? Yes, awesome. So just to kind of put it all out there to start. My background is not in cyber prior to living security. Oh, cool. uh, my background is actually in entrepreneurship, marketing, and product management. So my co-founder and husband, Drew, who you know well, his background is in yeah. cybersecurity. He had spent time with the military and intelligence before he moved to the private sector building cybersecurity programs. So my intersection with cyber is actually when Drew and I were working together at our last company before we built living security, where he was building the cybersecurity training programs at home. And I was also a recipient of them at work. So I kind of had a couple different viewpoints when it came to cyber. So my aha moment was actually through personal experience, which I love to tell that story because I can relate a lot to the end users that we're working with and the employees that we're training, uh-huh. um, where I was you know, going through the programs with my you know, colleagues, with my coworkers, And really recognize that, you know, there was a shift occurring at the last organization. So people were actually getting engaged with cyber, you know, they're asking questions about it. And there was truly a change in behavior that was not able to occur with, you know, previous programs or a lot of the CBT training that we had gone through. So what I realized was, you know, security awareness specifically is like the marketing for cybersecurity. We're trying to get people to buy in. So that is that you know was kind of my personal connection. We really put our skill sets together. So you know, Drew had the cyber expertise. I had the, you know the marketing, the product, and the entrepreneurship expertise. And with my background in business, 
I took the CEO position and that's been my day job for almost five years now. Hard to, hard to believe that we're already here. Wow. Yes. And, you know, it's been quite the journey. I always like to tell my team and then anybody that's getting into entrepreneurship, your business goes through phases. Like every six months, you're in a different business. You know, in my job and my role as a CEO changes every every so often. You know, I've really worn all hats in the company, for starting from sure. when it was, you know, just through and I, and we were out there in the market and doing all these things. And I've led sales, I've led products, I've led marketing, I've done customer onboarding, I've done customer support, right? I'll sell that ticketing and then the support side of things. Of course, building pitch decks and raising money. But today... You know, what I'm really the most responsible for is driving the overall success of our strategy, including, you know, setting the strategic goals and driving accountability and then implementing our vision and mission. Obviously, responsible for the board and shareholder management and then digging into areas where I can help the business grow. And then I think one of the most important jobs is hiring really great people, bringing in really great leaders. Under right. Team. Beautiful. So, okay. So how did you go from the idea? Like you, you said, the aha moment was realizing, gee... Security awareness training is the marketing of cyber, right? How did you go from that aha moment, from that idea to actually starting the cybersecurity company? What were the steps to make it all actually start to happen? Yeah, it's a great question. And because a lot of people are like, oh, we have an idea, like, let's go. But there's so many other things that have to come into place. So, you know, I said I'm a marketer at heart, you know, prior entrepreneur. And so my marketing experience said, okay, I need to go talk to the market. I need to go do some customer research. My first experience with a cybersecurity conference was the floor of Black Hat in 2017. What a way to like jump in head first. If you were there, you may have seen me walking around with an iPad and I was just badge hunting. I like to talk to my, our business development team. I'm like, I was out there on the conference floor. I was looking for the CISOs also. Like I know what it's like, but I was really trying to talk to anybody that had CISO on their badge. And I just asked them a bunch of questions. I still have all this market research today in my drive folder um, and just asked, you know, what's missing from your cybersecurity awareness program? And I kept hearing things like, you know, lack of engagement, we needed more relevancy, you know, people didn't care. And so I asked, you know, if we had a program that solved for those pain points, is it something that you would pay for, right? We needed to make sure there was budget allocated for that. So after confirming the assumptions of the market, and then, you know, looking obviously at the total market opportunity, you know, the growth rate and the competitive landscape, we had the external validation that we needed to move forward. And then the next step, which I think is really important, I didn't want to skip over, was we had to decide to take the leap. So Drew and I both had great jobs. We had benefits. And we also have three uh, girls, right? We have three babies at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. And the youngest at that point was, was three. She was still legitimately a baby. So you know, yeah. we had the good idea and we knew we needed a plan that would work for both the company and for our family. That's awesome. So how hard was it to get started? And, and you mentioned, by the way, 2017, Wandering the Floor at Black Hat. I want to say it was late 2017 when I first met you guys at a summit in Austin. And it was you and Drew and table with a cloth over it. <laughs> and you guys had a great idea. You guys had some really interesting stuff going on. You were engaging the crowd. I remember like everybody was swinging by your booth to chat with you guys. And that's why I met you. I, I'd swung by to chat because it's like, hey, why is everyone going over and talking to those two? I'll go talk to those two. So you guys had a real vision at that time and you were already working on the escape room model. And I just thought, what a cool idea and what a cool approach. So I basically just stayed in touch with you guys over the years. And I, I kept running into you at literally just about every event I was at, you guys were at too. And I thought that was so cool. B-sides and wherever else. 
So how did you go from being that couple with an idea and a table to actually being a Series B company? Because you guys have just had your B round and you got 14 million Series B. Yes, yes that's right. I love it. So how did you get from that? Two people in a table at a, at a summit or, or, or even earlier, a woman with a tablet walking around the floor <laughs> at Black Hat and all of a sudden Series B, 14 million. How did you get from here to there and how hard was that step? Yeah, great question. So Jim Collins is an author that I follow. And one thing he said I really relate to is, you know, building a visionary company requires 1% vision and then 99% alignment or really what I think of as execution. And, you know, mm -hmm. so the big vision, like you said, was there from the beginning. Like it, we were very excited. You know, we knew we wanted to build a platform that, you know, leveraged behavioral data to assess risk and then provided the highly engaging training and inter interventions to the employee base that would really drive that positive behavior change. So like that was there. And actually, I love, you know, looking back, whether I'm pitching for a Series B or even hiring a new employee. Sometimes I, I bring up that 2017 pitch deck because I'm like, the vision was there. Like we've just been executing yeah. on it the last five years. So, yeah. you know, we yeah. knew we wanted to build a big company, uh, you know, and that, like we we really felt like there was an opportunity to really disrupt the market and transform the industry. Um, but to do that, we needed you know a platform, a team, sales and marketing, and you know funding, of course, to allow us to do those things. And you know we knew we couldn't do everything out the gate. You know how do you like what do they, what do they say? How do you eat an elephant like one bite at a time, right? So right. we had to start somewhere. And, you know, set up those milestones to make sure that we can continue to validate our ideas, you know, build the customer base, you know, add revenue and growth. And then that would support, you know, the capital that we need to take into the business. When you first met us, we were, like you said, going around literally hosting in-person escape rooms for training. And, you know, these were so fun. They were highly engaging and they were very differentiated. No one else was doing these in the industry. And it allowed us to start building that initial customer base, right? We were working with yep. some of the biggest brands in the world. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I did one of those escape rooms, by the way. I think it was B-Side San Francisco back in 2018. Does that yes, sound right? Yeah, definitely. I did one of those escape rooms and it was fun for the, for those who uh, for those who never got to do one. They were fun. Yeah. And I think you were, were you just starting your podcast or at least you were filming your yeah. podcast while you were there as well. I remember you. We sure were. We sure were. That's exactly it. That's back when I was on the other show with Davis Park and we were doing defense in depth. That's over there. right. Yes. And sure I enough. came up and said yeah. hi. And I think you may have gotten through on camera at B-Side that year we as well. We did. I think we did. So I think I we did. That's so cool. So escape rooms. And now you got what? 70 employees, $14 million B round. What was the biggest challenge? What was that hardest hurdle to get over to get from that? point to this point. Yeah. So just like, you know, kind of catch up to where we are today. Like you said, we were doing the escape rooms. You know, I think the, the big learning moment was because we had those initial customers, we were able to then partner with those program owners to design the platform. And I, in, mm. you know, when we talk about learnings, I would say get it, get as close as you possibly can to the customer base and the market, because you're going to learn so much around like their challenges and what their day-to-day -day job looks like. And for us, you know, it was through the escape rooms where we were literally on site, sitting next to the program owner, talking to the CISO on site, and really understanding the gap that set us up to be successful in bringing what's now our unified platform into the market. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, I think obviously tons of challenges along the way. We've made plenty of mistakes, but, you know, you want to just keep learning and you want to keep iterating. And we're still on that journey today. That's so cool. All-American success story. 
Now I'm picturing you meeting with the VC firms, right? And and I know you're hitting it out of the park, but I also can't help but feel there were these moments when you're like, I am the only younger woman in a room full of middle-aged men, right? And you're sitting here like trying to be that authority and walk in and I'm the CEO and it's my thing. So what were some of those challenges and what moments made you think, I'm not going to win at this game? Yeah. In the beginning, the biggest one for me was overcoming like some of the internal talk track, like the internal head challenges of you know not having a background in cyber. You know, we were first time right. founders raising money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We didn't have that proven track record. We didn't have the Ivy League education that a lot of times would give you those, you know, extra credit points. In the beginning, people, when they invest in you, they're, you know, of course, there's an idea there. And they're like, okay, great. We want to make sure that the idea has legs, but they're really investing in you. And so... Yeah, they want to know who you exactly. are. Exactly. So those first no's, like, feel very personal. And so that was hard, right? And then in continuing to like stay motivated and get back out and realizing that, okay, this is not the right fit. Like next, next, like next conversation, next pitch. And so um, a lot of, you know, internal resilience that I think you need to get to kind of go through some of those first meetings. We really relied on the traction metric to speak for themselves. So those first customers, even those ones that were, you know, using the escape room, those were so meaningful for me. Like I, we still have clients that were there day zero, day one, and they mean the world to me because I'm like, you know, your support and working with us, you know, out the gate is actually like what allowed me to kind of tell the story and then to keep building. And they were very critical. So I let the traction speak for itself, itself, you know, of course, paired with the vision and then showing our ability to execute a couple, you know, other things that were challenging, you know, people have preferences to not work with married founders. So I, I think you're actually- Oh, interesting. I didn't know about that bias. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What if there's a divorce or some kind of scare about that or something? Yes. And so we've heard that actually a couple of times and people are act some, sometimes a little bit more open about that. So they'll say, you know, yeah. I don't like working with, with married founders or I've been burned in the past. Super interesting because the data actually shows that there's a lot of very successful married founders and non-married founders have just as many issues. Uh-huh. Random people meet and they decide to start a company and like they're supposed to be successful for years and years to come. Doesn't always work right. out like that. So, you know, data doesn't support that that bias either, but it's there. It's definitely talked about more. And then, you know, obviously the gender bias is a big issue, which yeah. is I think you brought up in the intro here. Looking at the stats, it's actually very interesting. Female founders were given just over 2% of the venture capital money in 2021. And that was, yeah, that was the second year in a row that that percentage actually shrank. So we are not trending in the right direction. There's definitely a lot more work to do here. Holy cow. So there's a, you're married bias. There's a, you're a woman bias. There's an age bias. Like what obstacles do you feel you face not meeting this middle-aged white guy model, right? Like a lot of them are, sort of cues, like you get cues when you run into someone that holds the bias. So they're not going to come out and say, oh, I don't trust you or trust what you're saying because you're a woman or you're young or you're married, any of that. So I've actually had to teach myself to sort of pick up on those cues early. And if uh-huh. you can you know, recognize them, again, it's just one of those things. Okay, next. <laughs> like I really don't right. want to waste my time then, you know, in further conversations. It's very hard to transition somebody away, right? Or overcome sort of an initial bias. So the best thing that I've learned was, you know, okay, like we just need to find the person, the investor that is supportive of that. And like, maybe Mm -hmm. there has been, if there is bias there, but they have the self-awareness. And so they're doing things to overcome that. 
it's definitely there. Uh, you, you know, you hear it when you're in person pitching and you're kind of going around doing things and, you know, maybe there's other stereotypical type things that you may run into, but it's really about first, like self-awareness, it's there, it exists, recognize it early, and then just don't waste your time on it. That's real smart. And for the record, folks, Ashley has not only gotten a great round of funding here, but Ashley's also built, and I'm going to be immodest for a moment here, one heck of an advisory board. Let's even assume I'm the token idiot on the board. She's got one heck of a bench and has really built some real industry clout around her game here. So it's just hats off to you for that. All right. So entrepreneurs in their 30s or even in their 20s wanting to start a cybersecurity company, like what is your advice to them? The folks that, like you said, had never done it before, didn't, uh, you know, they got a great idea, but here they are at a young age. What's your advice for those folks? So a couple pieces. I, I said one earlier, you know, no matter what age you are, if you're starting a company, you know, get as close as you can to the customers and to the market. Mm-hmm. You know, especially within our industry, within cybersecurity, there's a lot of pain points out there. You know, the threat landscape is just changing so rapidly. So there's just, you know, an endless amount of opportunities to build a really impactful solution. So, you know, talking to more of, you know, the 20s and 30s, the the younger entrepreneur, find mentors, find support, you know, find people that, you know, you can share some of the struggles, share some of the obstacles. They'll give you some tips, tricks, techniques. Maybe, as I heard before, like, just having the self-awareness or being able to recognize certain things when they're happening so that you can either respond differently or, you know, push forward in a different direction. Some of that's been very helpful for me as well. So mentors, you know, support, encouragement, as well as just stay really close to your customer base. Let's pause right there and hear a brief word from our sponsor. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your teams time back to work on the high value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. You know, the close to the customer base thing, I hadn't really thought about that. But the fact that you started with these physical escape rooms and then those customers latched on and stayed on and joined you in your journey all the way through where you were getting intimate customer feedback as you went phase by phase by phase, transitioning from physical to virtual and then on into the new product and all the other stuff that you guys are doing. All of that with the same partners hand in hand, the same customers partnering with you hand in hand, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That That's mind blowing. I don't know that I've seen or worked for any business where that journey took place where the same customers were with you years and years later, even though you had morphed and evolved and had grown and pivoted to a completely different thing. I, I don't know that I've ever been through that. So that that's outstanding and cool. That's a cool piece of advice right there. And I'm reminded as well, I think it was Forbes just put their 30 under 30 out uh, last week. I noticed a ton of people on LinkedIn and there were all these entrepreneurs under 30 years old. And I thought, how cool is that? I hope that trend continues as well. So what advice do you have for women security leaders? Well, yeah, first I want to probably just shed some light on the stats because these are other ones that Let's do it. you know we still need to talk about. So women in cybersecurity, 24% of the workforce today. So we've seen improvement there. Um, you know, Jen Easterly, yes, still, still low. Um, Jen Easterly from CISA, you know, has made a commitment or a goal, I think, for the industry to get to 50% by 2030. So that is where we're headed. And, you know, I am optimistic that we're going to achieve that goal. 
But from a leadership perspective, actually less than 11% of security leaders are women. So a lot of work to do there. And then if you go to the next level, you know, CEOs are are women, like, again, we're, we're seeing disappointing stops. But so there's a lot of work to do. Another piece of advice that not necessarily my own, but just from people who have gone before me, they say, if you don't, if you're not offered a seat at the table, pull up a chair, and then I'm going to extend that and then scoot over, right? So another woman can join you. Oh, Um, right on. Yes. And so, you know, there's a requirement for us to create our own space right now. Like it's just the facts of where we are today. And this is the world that we live in. But it's important that when we get there, like we're always looking back. Like how can we support how can we bring up other women leaders and not forget that the journey that we took like shouldn't be that way. There should yeah. be change going forward. Great advice. And, and we lift each other up, right? That's imperative. Switching gears here. How do you give back to the cybersecurity and the entrepreneurial communities? Like you've, you've, you've got this degree of success and I know probably in your mind, you're like, oh, this is only stage one of the journey and there's still <laughs> all these things to do. I know you, you're driven, but you've reached a great amount of success. How are you giving back to the entrepreneurial community, the cyber community? Like how do you turn around and pass on some of the fruits of that success to, to build up, to, to, to scoot that chair over and, and allow someone else to come have a seat at the table too? What are you doing there? So first, giving back is actually a core value at Living Security. So it's not some of the work that we're doing is, you know, me and the team. So we have a broader reach. And I'll I'll talk about my own personal, but also the company's journey. So we've actually been able to leverage our platform, our actual product to, you know, provide engaging content and awareness to bring cybersecurity training to the younger generation. So oftentimes it's actually in partnership with our clients they're working with high school students, or they're working with the Girl Scouts. And I'm always very supportive. I'm like, what do you need? We've actually created some different content experiences that are more focused on you know people still in school, kind of the K through 12. So that's something that's just embedded into the culture of the company. We've also put out a lot of free content focused on families, especially as we went through COVID and everyone was coming home. We did the family first content series around like, how do we stay safe online? How do we do safe gaming? Because now we know, you know, school is all on the computer now. In case you didn't know, your kids are not reading books and writing in notebooks anymore. They're online all day long. So we think that, you know, there's a big opportunity and, you know, we all have a responsibility in the cybersecurity community to, to help inform and to help bring up the next generation. For me personally, things like this, like I, I've actually found my story in delivering presentations at conferences and other outreach efforts have really been helpful in, in encouraging others. I was actually at the, the WESIS conference a couple of weeks ago and, you know, met a cybersecurity student. Yes, phenomenal yeah. conference. I'm going to shout out to WESIS. I was yeah. blown away. It was, I've had WESIS on the show. They're, they're, they're some excellent folks doing some excellent work. Yes, yes. Great, great quality, you know, content and, you know, participants as well. But, you know, talking with this girl that I met and, you know, she was a cybersecurity student. And so we just, you know, pulled up a chair and said, Let's talk about, you know, career advice and future opportunities and how you're thinking about things. So, you know, one-on-one and then also kind of on a stage sharing the story like we're doing here. And then as an entrepreneur, uh, being in Austin, there's a ton of opportunity to give back. So I love, I've um, actually judged a couple pitch competitions at the UTA Austin Entrepreneurship Center. Those are fantastic. We have some really, really bright minds coming through UT Austin. So I'm really encouraged about the future of the entrepreneurship community here. And then this weekend, my daughter is actually judging a competition called Pitch a Kid. 
So I'm very excited about this. The the whole premise, yes, the whole premise is as you know, as a founder, you need to be able to pitch a way that you know a third grader can understand your business. And so they literally bring kids on the show on the um well this is Zoom, but they'll hopefully be back in person. And the kids get to judge. So the kids are learning about entrepreneurship and they're seeing pitches and they're seeing startups. So I just think that's a fantastic way to start like building that awareness at a, at a much younger age. Oh, that is too cool. I know. I know. I want to see pitch to your grandma. I want to see that one too. <laughs> pitch to grandma. That one so, would be very funny. I think that we got to get that started. Maybe it's on the, is, your podcast. <laughs> there we go. Pitch to grandma. We'll make it a show. So that is, that is phenomenal. And by the way, go Longhorns. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, if we're talking about UT Austin. So this is really good stuff. This is some powerful and compelling stuff. I hope our listeners are inspired listening to this story. I got one question I ask every guest at the end of the show. What have you learned outside of cybersecurity? And this is going to be really relevant for you, given that this is your first cyber gig, right? What have you learned outside of cybersecurity that has helped you the most in cybersecurity? For me, it's understanding people. And I think that's essential to success in any industry, especially in a leadership position. So my minor is in psychology. I was okay. very close to double majoring, but ready to just get out into the world and get working and start, have a startup actually at that point that I was working on. So, you know, I think understanding, you know, people, emotions, empathy, and why we do what we do, it has been extremely essential. You know, business about, is about people. Security is about people especially within our segment of the industry where we're working on how do we drive behavior change and, you know, get people to, you know, buy into cyber. And we're working with people of all backgrounds and experiences. So it's been, you know, my understanding of, of people, psychology, and leadership qualities. I think all of those things are essential. And those are things you, I think we're learning more of that in security these days, but it's oftentimes from other experiences that need to be brought yeah. into the cybersecurity industry. Yeah. You know what I love best about that question and the answers I get back is so many people like you have got something that's completely outside of cyber, like something that has applicability to the rest of the world, right? Like what you just described as valuable skills, no matter whether you're in cyber or whatever you might want to do for a living. And it's so important that we remember in cyber that there are all these disciplines and all these ways of thinking and all these influences outside of cyber that I think we get lost in our own noise sometimes in this community. And I think it's refreshing to hear answers like that. So thank you so much for that. Ashley Rose, CEO of Living Security. Thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, Thanks. listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs>